Okay, so I'm just going to put this out here. I had to do it in the first service. I thought I'd be better by second service, but I'm just going to let you all know that I am kind of uh, suffering right now with a pretty bad case of vertigo, and um, it just stinks, let me just tell you. And uh, I'm going to get through this. I have decided, uh, you know, that the devil's just a punk, and uh, I'm... I'm going to give the word that God has laid on my heart, and I'm going to get through it, and I'll go home, and I'll throw up, and we'll be fine, but we're going to get through, we will get through this today. Um, if I happen to fall over or say something weird, please know <laughs> that it's the vertigo. Uh, it makes you dizzy, but it also affects your focus. That's that's the main thing, is the focus, so... Um, I, uh, I'm a strong person, and I'm going to get through this, and I have sought treatment. It's age, I would guess, uh, has a little bit to do with it, but um, I, I love Mother's Day. I told the ladies last Sunday night that it is my favorite. It's probably my favorite more than my birthday, more than Christmas, any of those. Mother's Day is a great day for me because I always wanted to be a mother. And I am exactly that. I have three of my own, and we have taken in several strays throughout the years, and I am very thankful to be able to stand here once again and uh, just let you know what the Lord has for you today. Mom, I was going through some of my past messages, and I found this, and I thought it was very appropriate for today, and I want to read it to you. It's one of my favorites. It's a song. I'm going to read it and not sing it, so you will be blessed. <laughs> it says, I see every hour that's on the clock. I hit the ground running and, well, I never stop. While I do the work of a hundred men. I get it done by the sweat of my brow, and most folks marvel at just how I get up in the morning, and I do it all again. 365 days of a year, I'm paving a new frontier. And believe it or not, I'm a long, long way from the queen of the prom. From Monday to Sunday, without fail, rain or snow or sleet or hail, I'm a hard-working woman. I'm a mom. I'm the ringmaster of a three-ring circus that I fondly call my home. I'm a peacekeeper, a part-time preacher, coach, and chaperone. I'm the head carpooler, the golden ruler, and my life's a marathon. I'm a hard-working woman. I'm a mom. Yes, it's true, as some suggest. I should wear an S upon my chest and have my face on the cover of a magazine. I can leap tall buildings with a single bound and on the average pound for pound. I'm the bestest mom my kids have ever seen. I'm the ringmaster of a three-ring circus that I fondly call my home. I'm the mediator, exterminator, savings, and loan. I'm the tooth fairy, a dictionary, and a lexicon. I'm a hard-working woman. I'm a mom. Well, it's a thankless job at times, and I get beat down by the daily grind, and people ask what planet I am from. But when I tuck in my kids, turn out the lights, they say I love you and hold me tight, I remember how glad I am to be a mom. I'm the ringmaster of a three-ring circus that I gladly call my home. I'm the toothbrusher, the potty flusher. My life is not my own. I just had to help Elliot with the potty the other night. I'm the bed maker, the cookie maker, but above and beyond. I'm a hard-working woman. I'm a mom. It's the truth. As I was uh, thinking about Mother's Day and what the Lord would have for today, I kept feeling the word mighty and just encourage. Encourage, encourage. Because no matter where you find yourself in life, a mother of a young child, adult child, teenager, no child, an aunt, a niece, a daughter. We're all called, ladies, to be mighty. 
You know, uh, I hate when people tell me that moms do not make a difference. So don't tell me that. Don't tell me that a mom's life is so small, a woman's life is so small, that the sun sets and rises the same day in and out and that we, we don't make a difference. Don't tell me that pulpits are only found in churches and speeches only come from stages. Don't tell me that microphones are necessary for you to be heard. And don't you tell me for a single minute that you need a passport in order to save a life, Mom. I want you to be encouraged today because you are mighty. Take a moment and watch this picture. There are those who say that this is ordinary, but don't let that fool you. Mother will always be the bravest, least ordinary, most difficult, utterly challenging career that anyone ever hopes to lay claim to. While others might hear, diaper changer, food maker, laundry doer, carpooler, bottle washer, sweatpants wearer, life on hold, want to be doing anything else, woman. The truth is, whether it feels like it some days or not, you are in fact a shelter from the storm. You are a cape of good hope. You are a warrior who will do battle for your children's hearts, souls, attention, innocence, education, and memories. Go to battle, my friends. This is your time. We will hold strong on either side of you. We will pray for those bottles through the dark watches of the night. And when doubt comes and children break, when adults fail them and when they push and push as hard against us as the day we deliver them into this world, we will not be broken. We may ache and see cracks tear through our hearts but we will get up again tomorrow and we will load the clothes and the words that need to be said again and again and again. And when the world tries to claw at them, to break them, to smash the beauty in them, may our walls hold true. May the lessons we've told the truths we've lived, the life we've spoken into them come back easily, predictably, with wash and repeat ease. Kingdom business, Jesus work, this shaping of souls, this raising tiny humans. There are those that say this is ordinary. Don't buy it for a second. Mighty. You are mighty because you, Mother. one word and I was searching the internet and I found this video and I, I didn't find it. God dropped it in my path and how powerful, how powerful, just an encouragement. Uh, my favorite, my favorite, one of my favorite part of that is the sweatpant wearer because I'm past the bottles and all that, but I, I'm holding on to the sweatpants. I'm holding on to the sweatpants. Seriously though, this morning, my prayer is that you believe no matter what stage of life you find yourself in, that you, you yourself are mighty. 
You are not ordinary. I like what she says. Mother will always be the bravest, least ordinary, most difficult, utterly challenging career that anyone could lay claim to. We are mighty, ladies, and um, I kind of associated it a little bit this morning with superheroes. I'm not going to preach on superheroes, but we had fun. And just in case, I didn't tell first service this, but just in case you were a little confused, Jerry Lenerville was actually Clark Kent. Brilliant, brilliant. He wins the best uh, superhero outfit for the day. Um, I, I wanted to do a little bit on superheroes, but let me just tell you, female superheroes in the comic books are just horrible women. They are horrible women. My son is not going to look. David, you are not allowed to look at comic books with women superheroes. I did find one, however, that I was confident in, and that is Elastigirl. <laughs> Mrs. Incredible. I like her because she's fully clothed. She is fully clothed. Women, superheroes, superwomen are those women who are fully clothed, modestly dressed. Your power is not in your lack of clothing. Your power is in your ability to present yourself appropriately. That's just for free. I would love to have her ability to have um, arms that can just go at what, I don't want to hear what was just said. T-shirt. Yes, that is a T-shirt. And make sure that you're fully clothed with your T-shirt. Elastigirl was elastic. I mean, I could have, that would be a great power because I could knock Elliot in the head from here. But she's mighty. But more so, I want you to go with me and look at one example of a mighty woman of God. Um, she is my second, second favorite woman in all of the Bible. My first favorite woman in the Bible is Rahab. All-time favorite. Love her, love her, love her. My second favorite is Jochebed, Moses' mother. I want you to, I'm going to give you just a little bit of background on her life, and then I'm going to show you a few ways that she showed herself mighty. We're going to go to Exodus chapter 1, beginning with verse 12. It says, but the more the Egyptians oppressed them, the more the Israelites multiplied and spread, and the more alarmed the Egyptians became. So the Egyptians worked the people of Israel without mercy. They made their lives bitter, forcing them to mix mortar and make bricks and do all the work in the fields. They were ruthless in all their demands. We're off to a great start. Then Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, gave this order to the Hebrew midwives, Shiphrah and Puah. When you help the Hebrew women as they give birth, watch as they deliver. If the baby is a boy, kill him. If it is a girl, let her live. But because the midwives feared God, they refused to obey the king's orders, and they allowed the boys to live too. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives. Why have you done this, he demanded? Why have you allowed the boys to live? The Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, the midwives replied. They are more vigorous and have their babies so quickly that we cannot get there in time. That was a great one. So God was good to the midwives, and the Israelites continued to multiply, growing more and more powerful. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Throw every newborn Hebrew boy into the Nile River, that you may let the girls live. Continuing on in Exodus chapter 2. About this time, a man and a woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special boy and kept him hidden for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. 
She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. The baby's sister then stood at a distance, watching to see what would happen to him. Soon, Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river, and her attendants walked along the riverbank. When the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then the baby's sister approached the princess. Should I go find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you, she asked. Yes, do, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. Take this baby and nurse him for me, the princess told the baby's mother. I will pay you for your help. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. Later, when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter who adopted him as her own son. And the princess named him Moses, for she explained, I lifted him out of the water. That is an amazing portion of scripture. Every scripture is amazing, but I just love it. I, I, I told the first service, I have served the Lord my entire life, and I have heard the story of Moses, and I have read the story of Moses, and I have watched the story of Moses on TV, but there are so many parts of that scripture that are amazing that God has brought out, that the Spirit of God has laid on my heart for this morning. It is just incredible. You know, Jochebed was obviously a mighty, mighty woman. And um, there are many things that I could pull out this morning, but I want to pull obviously three things out because I am married to Steve Bland, and he is the master of a three-point sermon. And I even have some sub-points in here because my wonderful husband helped me with a couple sub-points. I, I just, I got to throw it out to you. The man is amazing. He's just amazing. Jochebed was mighty first and foremost because she feared God. Exodus 2.2, 2, I'll remind you, it said, The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. Now, these were horrible, horrible times to have a child. How many times have you heard, or maybe you even said, um, I don't feel that it's right to have a child right now. These are horrible days. The economy is disgusting. We're morally corrupt. What future would there be for a child? I've heard many women have this discussion and kind of go through this with their spouse and kind of debate whether it should happen or not. You want to talk some, about some bad times for Jochebed, um, but it doesn't show that she had that conversation because she feared God. She reverent, she. She respected God. She knew that he would take care of her. She obeyed his command to be fruitful and to multiply. She, she was not unaware of her surroundings. She knew what was happening. Boys were being thrown into the Nile River. Not only were baby boys being thrown into the Nile River, but the baby boys who were born and the families who were hiding these children, when they were found out, the entire family was murdered. So it was a treacherous, treacherous time. But because she feared God, she was able to protect the destiny of her son. Exodus 2.3 says, but when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds. She waterproofed it with tar and pitch, and she put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. Her reverent fear for God was so much stronger than her fear of man and what he could do. You know, and if you want to really look at it, she really did follow the command of the king because she took her son and she did place him in the Nile River. Uh, so it was kind of a backward way of following uh, the command. You know, um, she, she really had no way of knowing what God had for Moses. Um, she knew there was something special. And uh, it's, it's not the actual life of your child, mom, that Satan is after. 
It isn't. It isn't the lie. It's the purpose that is within your child. It is the purpose that was within me, that is within me, that the enemy comes against. What I can fulfill, how I'm going to change the world, how your children are going to change the world. Our children, your children, your future children, your children's children are the embodiment of God's purpose. So it is just a small wonder, you know, that God wants them. He wants them, or not God, there we go again. I did that again. I think I typed it wrong. Sorry. It says Satan wants them dead. You know, I, um, I got to take a few minutes, a couple seconds, and just give um, a shout out to my kids. Um, because I wouldn't be able to celebrate this day if it weren't for my three children. And I'm so thankful that as a congregation, you have been uh, patient and kind and loving, and you have endured uh, stories and listening to Steve and I. But, um, you know, I, all three of my children, I know, have a purpose. And I've taken it very seriously, especially when the enemy took our first child without us even being able to see what the fulfillment, what the purpose was for our first child. But um, I, I got to give a shout out to Elliot this morning. You know, um, it's, this is a hard Mother's Day a little bit for me because um, Elliot is getting ready to graduate and he is going to be leaving our nest and moving on. And I have to say, you know, I have to say goodbye to him. I have to let go of him and let him move into his future and the purpose that God has for him. But I'm so proud um, of him. I remember uh, giving birth. He was the most horrible child to give birth to. Um, I, I just have to admit, after 18 long hours and pushing in every position and just, just thinking I was going to die, um, they finally took him by C-section, and I'll never forget, after 18 hours, you're a little delirious, and you are uh, blurry-eyed, and I remember asking to, you know, see him after I had recovered a minute, and they brought him into me, and he was the ugliest thing I had ever seen in my life. I, his head was like this big. I, I thought I have given birth to the It's Alive baby. His cry was scary. Um, he had a face only a mother could love, and um, I did, I did. From the instant, from the instant I found out that I had conceived, I didn't know it was a boy, but I knew it was a boy, and I loved him from that moment in the Walmart bathroom with a pregnancy test. <laughs> I loved my son, but um, I knew that God had great things for him. And uh, last, last week, we had, to, uh, we had to go and renew our Disney passes because that's an important thing in the Bland's life. And uh, we had to. Uh, it's a commandment, thou shalt have a Disney pass. And um, <laughs> Elliot and I went. He went with me. And uh, after we renewed our passes, we went. We were going to get something to eat. And we went to um, King of Sandwich. And we were sitting there. And... I, I was amazed um, what my son was conveying to me. With, he was just talking about what God had for him and what he felt his future held and what God had been showing him and talking about scripture. And uh, we talked about girls and just everything that came out of his mouth, I... I remember sitting there and thinking, he, I asked him to go get me more tea because I had to get myself under control because I knew he would be all upset if I started boohooing. But I was so proud of him and um, the man that he has become. And I realized that that purpose that God has put in him and what he's going to do is valuable. And in that moment, downtown Disney, eating a sandwich, I was just not inspired, but I knew that all these years of warring and praying were not over, and that I was going to pray and guard that purpose because I know that the enemy wants to destroy, not just his life, but his purpose. 
so, I was so proud. And then there's Butler. God bless Butler. Butler is my middle child and my firstborn daughter. And Butler is amazing. You all know that. You all know all three of my kids are amazing. Butler is amazing. But um, last week, there was a call for healing. And I, I came down for healing, of course, to be prayed for. And I was overwhelmed uh, because my daughter, she's always the one, my daughter came down behind me and grabbed onto me and was praying for me. But it wasn't the fact that she was praying for me because my kids pray for me all the time. I'm very blessed. But in that moment, I heard my daughter not only praying for me, but praying in the spirit. Moms, there's no sweeter sound on this side of heaven, on earth, than hearing your children pray in their heavenly language, speaking in tongues, praying over you, groanings that they don't even know, allowing God to use them, to pray through them for you. That was music and healing and refreshing to my soul. And I have thanked God a million times to this day for the very fact that my daughter is not only beautiful, she looks like me, but she, <laughs> but she is filled with the Spirit and that the Spirit moves through her. And then there's Daisy. My Daisy, my Daisy is my baby. The enemy tried to take her out way before she even uh, was able to be on this side of earth. And uh, every day I look at her, I'm reminded of God's faithfulness and God's goodness and his mercy. And in those few weeks, two weeks, that I thought that this precious gift had been taken away from me, that God was just doing a complete miracle in this girl. And those of you, Daisy has grown up here with all of you. She's my only California daughter, California child, and he has just birthed uh a gift in her. Daisy, she, uh, of course, she's playing bass now. I love to have my Daisy. Winona Judd, man. I just see Winona Judd. She might as well step down. Daisy's my Winona. Daisy, the other night, came in. The kids had gone to a youth function. And uh, she came into my room, and I, she laid down beside me. And uh, she said, Mom, I just, I, tell me a little about, bit about what was going on. She said, Mom, I just want to thank you. And I said, okay. And she said, I, I just want to thank you for being hard on us about the way we dress and making sure that we're dressed appropriately. She said, you know, we were at this youth function and these girls were dressed inappropriately and it was just awful. And she said, I just want to say thank you because it's not awkward and we don't have to be uncomfortable. And that, that might not mean anything to anybody else, but for me, it, I just... Daisy, I love you. And I, I was so encouraged. I was encouraged. I've been encouraged lately to see all three of my children, the purposes that God has for them and in them are starting to come forward and starting to come into play. And mothers, recognize that. Look at that. Encourage that. Pray over that. You know, sometimes you don't know really what all it will be. You know, it, it might be easy for me to look at my girls and say that, you know, it's going to be a gifting in music. My son is going to be a preacher, but I don't know. I, I don't know what God has for them. I don't know how they are going to change the world, but I do know that they are going to change the world. They are going to fulfill the purpose and the destiny that God has for them. And because I fear God, because I have a fear of God in my life, he is, I respect him and rule him above uh, and, and, um, revere him above all else, I am going to protect the destiny of my children. Jacobed protected the destiny of her son because she feared God. She, um, Moses' destiny was to lead the people out of Egypt, out of bondage. And we find this in Exodus 3, verse 7. 
Moses is at the burning bush, and the Lord told him, I've certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt, and I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. And speaking to Moses, he says, Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. Moses' destiny was huge, huge. And because his mother feared God, she protected his destiny And she also provided for the deliverance of God's people. Exodus 13, 17 says this simply, When Pharaoh finally let the people of God go, it was because of Moses. His people, God's people were delivered because of Moses and his destiny and because his mother feared God and protected him and provided deliverance for God's people. Now listen, Moses was 80 years old, about 80 years old, when the burning bush incident happened and God spoke to him. So by the time he returned to Egypt to deliver the people out of bondage, his mother was probably already dead. So she did not even get to see her son lead the people out of the oppression they were under. You know, we have no idea no idea of what's going to be accomplished through our children, through our grandchildren, through our nieces, through our nephews. We have no idea. But we do have the ability to be mighty and to protect it, protect, protect their destiny. So Jochebed was mighty, number one, because she feared God. She was mighty because she had faith in God. Hebrews 11.1 reminds us that faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. She had confidence. In the beginning, she had confidence just mainly that God was going to allow her son to live. She had faith. She had faith in God, but she had faith in the midst of adversity. It's easy to have faith in God where everything's okay. Baby sleeping through the night, potty train, doesn't have a pacifier anymore, the teenager's on track, they're doing their homework, they're going to graduate on time, the college student is doing what they're supposed to, your adult child is married to a good person, raising great grandchildren, all of that, it's great, God is good, right? But to have faith in the admit in the midst of adversity you know every superhero has an arch enemy and ladies our enemy is pretty pretty stinking horrible (laughs) he's the worst one in exodus we read you know that the egyptians they they were oppressing the people of god and that um the more they oppressed them the more they multiplied and so that ticked the egyptians off even more And so they worked the people of Israel and showed them no mercy. They made their lives bitter, forcing them to do all of that work. And it also says that they were ruthless. Those are some hard times that Moses' mother had to bring up her children. We're talking slavery and hard labor and discrimination and terror and murder. Those are just a few words to describe the day that she lived in, but she chose to have faith. Hebrews 11.23 tells us that it was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child, and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. Moses' parents even made it into Hebrews. It was by faith that they hid him. It is easy, I want to sing, it was easy for us to be full of faith when our days are bright and hopeful. I like this, we always proclaim God is good all the time. It's just something that we do because he is good all the time. So 
We can say when the cancer is in remission, God is good. When the pay raise comes, yeah, God is good. When the university accepts our child, God is good. When Ohio State wins the national championship, God is good. Just had to throw that in there. In the nursery, God is good. But what about in the cemetery? In the grocery line? You know, God is good. But what about the unemployment line? In the days of provision, God is good. What about the days of recession? You know, God permits tragedy. He allows Satan to unleash mayhem, but he doesn't allow Satan to triumph. Adversity, it is still real today. Many of us are in the midst of adversity, holding on to faith. Max Lucado put it this way. He says, look around you. Do you realize where we sit? This planet is God's waiting room. You see that young couple in the corner? They're waiting to get pregnant. You see the man with stress lines on his brow? Well, he's waiting to hear back from all the resumes he's sent out. What about that handsome man back there with pain? Or the widow? Or the mother who just buried her adult daughter? All these people waiting for just one tearless day. Waiting. Waiting on God to give, to help, and to heal just waiting on God to come. We live in the land between prayer offered and prayer answered, God's waiting room. That's where Jochebed found herself, waiting. She knew that there was a purpose in her son, and she prayed and had faith that it would be accomplished. As she laid him in the reeds in front of the palace, hoping that something good would come forth for her son. Mothers, we need to be mighty to have faith in God in this waiting room. In the midst of death, many of us are standing in the midst of death. This morning, Gail was here. And yesterday, we celebrated the life of her adult daughter who just without reason passed from a brain surgery, complications from a brain surgery. There's no explanation. We live in between prayers offered and prayers answered. We live in adversity, but we have faith. We fear God, we have faith, and we know that while we wait, while we sit in this waiting room, that God works and that he answers. Moses' mother had faith in God, faith in the midst of adversity, and faith without knowing the aftermath. She didn't know what God had. It's easy for us to read the story because we, we can read ahead. We know the ending. We know everything that's going to happen. She did not. When she placed Moses in the basket and put him in the swampy marsh of the Nile in front of the palace, she had no idea what was going to happen. He could have immediately been taken from that basket and thrown into the Nile and lost his life. But we see in Exodus chapter 2 what happened. Pharaoh's daughter came down to take a bath in the river. And her attendants were walking along the banks of the river. They saw the basket. They saw it was a baby. They took it to her. She opened it up, and she felt sorry for him. Her dad had said, you're going to kill all the Hebrew boys. But she felt sorry for him. And she knew because she said, this must be one of the Hebrew, Hebrew children. And it says, almost immediately, almost immediately, we see God in action. Because as soon as that princess saw the baby Moses, Miriam jumped into action. And she ran up and she said, hey, you want me to go get somebody to nurse this child for you? And the princess said, yeah, why don't you do that? And Miriam said, I know just who to get. 
and she went and got Jochebed. And not only did um, Jochebed get to nurse her son, she got paid for it, but she nursed him for four years. Four years, the weaning process. Now that just can send me into a tizzy these days. Oh my, can you imagine? I could go off on that point, but I won't. I would like to, but I won't. Four years. Four years. I was good to make it two weeks. And I gave the man a bottle and said, help me out a little bit. Why don't you? She had him for four years. And that didn't mean, that meant that Moses was in her home. You realize that. Moses was in her home. He was with his mother for four years. She was able to have him and love him and take care of him. She didn't know what the outcome was going to be, the aftermath, but she had faith and she believed and God took care of her. So she shows us that she is mighty because she feared God, she had faith in God, and finally she committed her family to God. Numbers 26, 59 tells us that Amron and Jochebed became the parents of Aaron, Moses, and their sister Miriam. I like this because we have concentrated so much on the miracle of Moses and her relationship with him, but she actually had three incredible children, and she committed all three of them to the Lord. First of all was Aaron, her oldest. Aaron was born, obviously, before the death sentence was handed down and was in the home. But the thing about Aaron that I like the most is that he kind of came into this because Moses said that he, Moses kind of backed out. When Moses was at the burning bush and the Lord was telling him what he was going to do, Moses kind of went back and forth with the Lord and said, you know what, they're not going to listen to me because I stutter, I have a speech impediment. They're not going to hear what I have to say. I can't do this. God said, yes, go, you're going to be the deliverer of my people. Moses said, no, and they kind of go back and forth. And then finally, God says, okay, then we'll get your brother Aaron. And it says in uh, Exodus 4, uh, let me read it to you, verse, starting verse 27, now the Lord had said to Aaron, go out into the wilderness and meet Moses. So Aaron went and met Moses at the mountain of God, and he embraced him. Moses then told Aaron everything the Lord had commanded him to say, and he told him about the miraculous signs the Lord had commanded him to perform. Then Moses and Aaron returned to Egypt and called all the elders of Israel together. And then Aaron told them everything the Lord had told Moses. And Moses performed the miraculous signs as they watched. But look at verse 31. Then the people of Israel were convinced that the Lord had sent Moses and Aaron. Not just Moses, but Moses and Aaron. Her firstborn, her oldest, Aaron also became the high priest. The tabernacle in the desert, every day he was the one that went into the Holy of Holies and met with God and brought the sacrifices. Moses, the firstborn, Miriam, her only daughter, it was Miriam who Jochebed entrusted to watch over baby Moses. Miriam was probably seven or eight years old when she was given this task. And she stood and she waited and she watched. We don't know how long. It could have been a few days. It could have been a couple weeks. We're not really sure how long that was. But she stayed. Miriam was a strong girl. Because as soon as the princess received Moses... She immediately, without fear, full of courage, approached the princess and said, Hey, <laughs> you're going to need somebody to nurse that baby. You want me to go get somebody for you? Courage. I believe Miriam, as a seven or eight-year-old, had the courage to speak up to the princess, the daughter of the man who was killing everybody. I believe she had the courage to do that because her mother had spoken that into her life. My girls are strong. They are strong girls. 
because I want, I have empowered them. I give them the permission and the power to be strong women of God, to stand up and to say no when it's appropriate to say no, and to say yes when it's appropriate to say yes, and to encourage their friends to tell of the goodness of God, to not be ashamed, to advise when somebody is falling and, and falling away from God, being able to step in and say, hey, rethink this. Courage to stand and to speak. Mothers, empower the next generation of women to be mighty, to speak forth the things of God. Don't let it end with you. It's not too late. I don't care how old your daughter is. It is not too late. Encourage. Pass it on. Be mighty. Miriam was so strong and so mighty that later God used that mouse. That mouse that ran up and said, hey, you want me to get you somebody to help you? That spoke out and courage. He used her. She became a prophetess and a worship leader. That was the purpose within Miriam. So you have Aaron the high priest the co-deliverer of the people of God. You have Miriam, who became a prophetess and a worship leader, and you have Moses, the baby boy. We already discussed that she said goodbye to her baby boy at the edge of the Nile River in order to protect his destiny. And then she was given four years of his life back to commit him to the Lord. And he became the deliverer of God's people but I found an interesting scripture while studying this woman of God, and it encouraged me. In Micah chapter 6, verse 4, God is speaking to the children of Israel. He says, For I brought you out of Egypt and redeemed you from slavery. I sent Moses, Aaron, and Miriam to help you. Wow. Not just Moses. But Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, can you imagine? I can't imagine Jochebed, how overcome she must have been. All three, it was a home run. All three of her kids working together and to receive mention from God. That he sent Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. What a mighty, mighty woman of God. How powerful. We, you, are mighty ladies. Mighty. So fear God. Have faith in God. And commit your family to God. I want you to be encouraged this morning. And just like the video said, I want to reiterate, you are not ordinary. You are not defeated, and you are not out of hope. You are not just a diaper changer, a bottle washer, a food maker, a laundry doer, carpooler, sweat pant wearer. Your life is not on hold. Ladies, you are a shelter from the storm a cape of good hope, a warrior who will do battle for your children's hearts, souls, attention, innocence, education, and memories. Go to battle, my friends. This is your time. We will hold strong on either side of you. We will pray for those bottles in the dark reaches of the night. And when doubt comes and children break, when adults fail them and when they push and push as hard against us as the day we delivered them into this world, we will not be broken. We may ache and see cracks tear through our hearts, but we will get up again tomorrow. We will load the clothes and we will say the words that need to be said again and again and again. And when the world tries to claw at them, to break them, to smash the beauty in them, may our wall hold true. May the lessons we've taught, the truths we've lived, the life we've spoken into them come back easily, predictably, with wash and repeat ease. This is King.
kingdom business, ladies. Jesus works this shaping of souls, this raising of tiny humans. There are those who say that this is ordinary. Don't you buy it for a second. Don't you believe it. You, my friend, are mighty. You are mighty because you mother. So this morning, I want to encourage all of you to stand. Ladies, stand. And as the... Ladies, I want to encourage you to stand. And as the front line sings this, I want you to do exactly what it says. I want you to let the Spirit of God lead you where your trust and where your faith has no border. You need to walk. Walk upon the water. Go deeper than your feet could ever carry you. My feet can't take me very far. But I want to go deeper, deeper in God, where my faith can be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. This morning, I want to encourage you, no matter where you find yourself in life, where you find yourself in this process of mothering, of woman, being a woman, you, my friend, are mighty. Be encouraged. You are mighty. Go ahead and come on up and just receive from God this morning. God's blessing on mom today, God's presence on mom today, mighty woman of God, we speak this to you, we speak this over you, you're mighty, empowered by God to do incredible things world-changing things. Only God knows what He will raise your children up to be, what they might do 
imagine with me for a moment, Mom, as you just surrender your children to God. Imagine what He might do with their life. Wow. Powerful thought. Mom, here's what's happening today. Today you get replenished. Because the thing about a mom pouring out of herself is she becomes depleted. Karen preached a powerful message today. Mighty. Mighty. And your kids are looking to you for strength, direction, and healing. Oh, there's nothing like the arms of a mother if you need healing. And I know maybe sometimes you're saying, Mom, I, I don't have it anymore. I'm just drained. Well, today, God is replenishing you. <laughs> Mom, just cup your hands up to heaven. Cup your hands up to heaven. You're a vessel right now that God is... God is replenishing you. I hear the Lord say, replenish. He's refueling you, refiring you, refining you, replenishing you, strengthening you, energizing you, empowering you. How are you supposed to be mighty? There's a power source, right? There has to be a power source in order for you to have might. Not by might. Uh-oh. Not by power. Come on, Mom, say this. Hey, hallelujah. By my spirit, says the Lord. This is how you're going to be replenished today. It's, it's not your might. It's not your power. It's by His Spirit. By my Spirit, says the Lord. And this is the power that you need to be mighty. God, I pray for their arms right now. I pray for the arms of all the moms here today. There really is something powerful in the arms of a mother. They wrap around their children and their grandchildren, God. May they, may they have power, the power of your spirit. Come on, Mom. I'm telling you right now, God is doing this. He's empowering your arms even. There's going to be power and love that comes from heaven as you wrap around your children and your grandchildren. Do it, God. Please do it. And every vacancy, Lord, in their hearts, in their lives, let it be filled today. Mom, if you have a child or a grandchild that's not serving the Lord, I want you to lift your hand. We're going to offer special prayer for any, any grandchildren, any children that are not serving the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You believe that it can still happen, though, don't you, Mom? I know you do. You just never give up. That's the thing about a mom, just never gives up. So, Father, we agree with Mom today for the lost sons and the lost daughters, grandsons, granddaughters. God, we thank you. We thank you, Lord. And we believe that they are going to come in. They are going to find the light. They're in the darkness now, but a light is coming. Come on, Mom, a light is coming. And we pray that today, Lord of the harvest, you would send forth workers into the harvest field. You would send laborers. You would send believers, God, that they would live next door to them, that they would work in the cubicle next to them. Hallelujah. Send a spirit-filled believer, God, in the grocery store and at the gas station, God, and in the mall and wherever they might go, they would find you. They would, they would hear you. They would see you, Lord. Come on and call their name right now. Call the name of your loved one. Hallelujah. Call out their name right now. Plead for them right now, Mom. We thank you, God, that you're going to save our families. And 
now, God, I just pray your blessing to wash over every mom, every grandmother, every woman in this room, God. May they enjoy your favor. May they enjoy your blessing today. We give you thanks. We pray it in Jesus' name. God bless you, Mom. So glad you're here. Come on and let's give it up for Mom today. And thank you, Karen, for a great, great word for the house today. So we want to encourage you to spoil your mother. Take her out to dinner. Or you cook her dinner. If you're not going to take her out, then you cook. Thanks for being in the house of God. All the mothers, we have a gift for you. Please don't leave until we get this gift to you. God bless everybody. Thank you for being here on this Mother's Day. <laughs>